episode 313 and a Health Rosetta Summit simulcast. Today, I speak with Dan Strauss and Drew Leatherberry about partnering up with fiercely local and fiercely independent pharmacies. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know, talking. Relentlessly seeking value. Let's talk about one aspect of healthcare that's not talked about possibly often enough. Big national healthcare players siphoning money out of local communities. Potentially a lot of money, depending on where you are, and considering that healthcare is inching towards something about 20% of the GDP. But besides the money leaving the community, another downside of large national players is that sometimes problems, even kind of seemingly simple problems, can be totally intractable and unsolvable because there's just so much diversity of need and intricacies if you're trying to come up with a broad stroke solution that works for everybody across the land. On the other hand, by thinking and acting locally, these same problems can be solved. Besides, at a local scale, community and relationships within the community can become powerful forces for good. In this context, I was super thrilled to have had the chance to interview Dan Strauss from Hometown Pharmacies and Drew Leatherberry from Avergant about a collaboration model they put together pairing up local PCP teams hired by self-insured employers with their local hometown pharmacy. Together, they're similar to a team-based advanced primary care model that also has a level of navigation built in. Considering that patients visit their local pharmacy something like 35-ish times a year, it's the expertise right in front of your face to help manage patients with chronic conditions. Add to this equation, you know, a pharmacist's education and a local pharmacy's position as a member of the community. Local pharmacies who are patient first and entrepreneurial could be a great way to keep healthcare local and solve for the needs of their communities at the same time. Today's episode is the first ever simulcast between Health Rosetta and the Relentless Health Value podcast. It was recorded live at the recent Health Rosetta Summit. Thanks much to the Health Rosetta team, including Dave Chase, for inviting me and Relentless Health Value to be a part of the summit. In this episode, the CPESN Pharmacy Network comes up. Should you wish to learn more about the CPESN Pharmacy Network, listen to the Relentless Health Value interview 129 with Troy Trigstad. Link in the show notes. My name is Stacey Richter. This podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Hello, we at JP Farley Corporation appreciate the opportunity to be a Health Rosetta sponsor, and we are honored to be a Health Rosetta vetted and approved TPA. Our guarantee is to provide improved patient and client experience by humanizing healthcare from appointment to payment, drive positive change through innovation, and provide clarity with every dollar spent. We spend your money like it's our money. Today's presentation is actually a simulcast of Stacy Richter's Relentless Health Value podcast. I believe it is her 311th podcast. And if you haven't heard it, uh, Stacy uses her voice and her thought leadership to provide insights for health decision makers trying to do the right thing for benefit plans and participants. Two of the people that are joining her are also trying to do the right thing for plans and employees in Wisconsin. They are Health Rosetta Advisor Drew Leatherberry of Avergent 
and Dan Strauss of Hometown Pharmacy. Dan and Drew will discuss with Stacy their collaborative model of care in the area. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Jim. As Jim just said, you are witnessing the first ever simulcast between Relentless Health Value Podcast and Health Rosetta, the summit. So for the next 28 minutes, we're going to talk about how a local collaboration was built between primary care and an indie pharmacy group to serve self-insured employers looking to proactively and effectively coordinate care for chronic conditions. So today, I am thrilled to be speaking with Dan Strauss, who is partner at Hometown Pharmacies of Wisconsin. Thanks for having us, Stacey. And I am also pleased to welcome Drew Leatherberry, who is the founder of Avergent, a Wisconsin-based benefit advisement firm. Thanks, Stacey. Happy to be here. So today, we're going to talk about how Dan and Drew teamed up on the program that they built. Drew, and I'm going to say spoiler alert here for everybody listening. Let's start at the end of the story first. You build a collaborative care model. What have you accomplished? Give us some metrics or impact here. Sure. Yeah, our collaborative care model was really a design that's that's taken a lot of work and effort to get off the ground. We're, we're still in the pilot phase at this point. But what we are really attempting to do is built on tried and trusted principles. It's really just bringing the two ends of the, the care supply chain, if you will, between primary care physicians, nurses, and uh, pharmacists back together in really a unified care plan management program, accessing patient medical records, and really unifying the teamwork to achieve better patient outcomes. Yeah. And I know, Dan, one of the things that you have said is that when a pharmacist, a doctor, and a patient work together, about 80% of disease can be prevented, which is pretty aspirational and fantastic to hear. So, Drew, how did the story start? How did you first hook up with Dan? Yeah. So the the punchline was, as I've been working with employers and adopting high-performing health plans in the Midwest, we've taken to directly working with healthcare providers and setting up direct pay relationships. In the midst of one of those conversations, I heard of this pharmacy that was working to get patients off of medications. I thought that was a bit odd. I've never heard of someone fundamentally trying to shift their business model and get out of the things that drive revenue. So I figured I have to hear more. And uh, thankfully I did. Dan and I still remember remember the first conversation like it was yesterday. We were introduced on a, actually on a weekend through a, a video call, much like this. It was, it was summertime and uh, we hit it off right away. Dan told me about all the great things that community pharmacies do with patient care. And one thing led to another, and we realized that we were missing out not only on how we were addressing the payment of prescriptions, but also on how we were potentially able to leverage the experience and the expertise of the the pharmacist in driving better patient care. And let's talk about that a little bit. You just said utilizing the expertise of the pharmacist, and maybe you can connect the dots there, Dan, between expertise of the pharmacist and also getting patients off of drugs, which is, as Drew just said, is somewhat, let's just say, unusual. Absolutely. We always fundamentally go at hometown. How would you treat your family? How would you want to treat your your spouse and your your grandma and your mother? So pharmacists are, are deeply trained in body chemistry. 
They have eight to 10 semesters of deep biochemistry where the physicians have one or two. We know that most of these states have somewhere between five and 23 year run rates and give us plenty of markers ahead of time. So we said, well, why do we wait until year 16 when the doctor says you're a diabetic? Why aren't we locating that year three where we can prevent you from being a diabetic? Also, uh, to Drew's point about getting off medications, well, prescription medicine is the most expensive, most dangerous form of a plant. We much prefer you consume that plant, one, either as food or as a nutraceutical or something far less dangerous and far less expensive. And with our expertise, we can help proactive health by getting upstream of that disease state and preventing from happening. So we believe we can help people by getting off prescription medicines. And one of the things that you have said, Dan, is that creating a trusting relationship between clinician and patient is super important. How is a, as a pharmacy pharmacist, indie pharmacy, particularly equipped in order to make that happen? Absolutely. Uh, so many times a patient pharmacist relationship uh, will, will become intimate. Uh, they just received bad news from their healthcare provider and they come to us having to fill a prescription of which we need to ask some intimate questions. And we're also talking about drug interactions and side effects. As you imagine, some of the side effects are rather intimate. So if you have those conversations, then you are getting to know that person. Why would a pharmacist, I mean, obviously we've got the educational aspect, but is an indie pharmacy particularly equipped to foster a relationship with a patient? Patient will typically see their, their physician two to three times a year. They'll see us 35 times. We see them on a monthly basis. And with that, we can ask them questions. Hey, how did that uh, prescription impact you? Are you eating okay? Are you moving? Is everything all right? And so when you see them 35 times a year after 10 years, you know their grandchildren's names, you know, you know their dog's name, and they become family. So you, you treat them to a deeper level. So why don't we just walk through what this program is exactly? I guess we'll start with you, Drew. We're talking about a self-insured employer. We're talking about their employees. Let's just say we've got a, an employee named Jane. First of all, how does Jane get inducted? I'm not sure what the right word is there. Probably not inducted into this program, collaborative care model. It's very interesting because having worked for the amount of time I've worked for in the, uh, in the benefits industry, one of the biggest challenges with implementing any program around someone's existing patient care relationship with clinicians is you don't want to disrupt what's working. You don't want to disrupt those existing uh, relationships. So we call it the collaborative model because the very first thing that we're doing is just coming alongside of people where they're at. We are providing them with a team that it consists of a, a physician, a nurse, some additional assistance, medical support, and then a pharmacist. And we start onboarding them with treating them as if they're coming into a virtual clinic. We're capturing a, a health record, health history record. We're identifying where they've been, where they are today. And then that collaborative care team gets together behind the scenes and uh, they start to put individuals into population health buckets and start to develop plans for those patients. And then we look for opportunities where we can start to intervene. And that's where our nurse assistants are really going to come alongside of people and help them understand what those care plans can afford them. And once we've identified that we have people that would fit into a management plan state where they can be working proactively 
with their pharmacist, we're really going to start to introduce them to that local pharmacist. And that's really where Dan and his team and some of the uh, proactive things that they've been doing to manage not just a disease state, but person's health, that's really where those things come into the picture. So Dan, you know, I think this is a great place for you to you pick up with Jane. Let me ask you a um, question there, Drew. You're mm-hmm. not going to get off that easy. So... <laughs> So basically, you're looking over all the data that the self-insured employer may have. You're finding patients with chronic conditions, however you're doing that. And then their first point of entry into the program would be they're working with a nurse or a nurse practitioner who's intaking them into the program, asking them questions that need to get asked, et cetera. Similar, just what you articulated. Is that sort of how this begins? Right. Right. It's a spin on, you know, traditional navigator advocate type roles where we have a clinical component to it, but then we're also making that liaison, not only there for care management, but also management of all the other aspects that go into a high performing health plan. We obviously have the whole benefits end of the spectrum that we have to serve our patients with. And this individual really becomes uh, that connecting point for the member their guide, if you will, throughout the process. And then you're introducing them at that point to hometown pharmacy, for example. Right. We're connecting them to the physician and the pharmacist with really what Dan and I like to talk about it as is a, we use the football analogy all the time. Uh, we look at that physician really as as the quarterback of, of the care plan and, and the pharmacist becomes the left tackle. They're really protecting the physician and, and protecting them in, in terms of The physician, we want their expertise and knowledge base used at the appropriate time, right care, right time, right place. That's a mantra that we've continued to adopt and utilize. And the pharmacist becomes a really critical asset to us because as Dan said, they're the one in the uh, care spectrum that has that high frequency touch point, but also they have the knowledge base to really step into the shoes of the patient, the patient's medical history and address their, their biochemistry. So it it's a, a tried and trusted relationship that we're really just bringing the physician and the pharmacist back together. Let's just use our example of our patient, Jane. She walks in the door of a hometown pharmacy, you know, the bell, little tinkly bells ring behind her and she marches up to the pharmacy counter. What happens, Dan? One, we, we know her by name. And two, we'll do some, in our world, basic things. MTMs, medical station, uh, therapy management, We'll look through her med list and inform her on how her body will react to that. And the interactions, we'll do some med sync, and then we'll do a nutrient depletion. So we know those medications impact the body, and for every good it does, it might have a negative connotation for nutrient depletion. So we make them aware of that and how they can replete either with food or, or other supplementation to fix that. Also, is Jane already disease state or is she pre-disease? Because so many times in the stop-loss carrier or in models, we only worry about the people that unfortunately already have disease. We don't pay enough attention to the folks who aren't there yet that we want to prevent. So if Jane is is pre-disease, we're going to do six metrics. We're going to do a body composition analysis to be able to see her uh, extracellular water and her, uh, her visceral, as well as be able to get her vitamin D levels and carotenoid levels. So we can educate her on the importance of eating fruits and veggies and all the different things that we can coach them to improve those scores. So we can uh, be very high level 
just with typical MedSync and MTM, we can get deep in the weeds all the way to uh, scanning uh, 280 different items at the cellular level. So we can help Jane as intense as she wants to go at that particular moment. And as we know, patients, sometimes you can't fire hose them. You need to be able to do drip irrigation until you get the behavior change that actually helps her help. And what does that actually look like? So is it Jane, the first time she comes in, you have this kind of like a milestone progression. Like how does Jane work through this program? So we have care plans in our computers and at our typical checkout, there's a, there's, I'm gonna call moderately privacy, but right next to those let me, checkout. Let me just interject right there. Who, where do those care plans come from? Is it the advisor, the TPA? We have Chris Van Buren who asked this question and it's very appropriate right now. We design that between our clinical pharmacists and physicians. So we take evidence-based science to make sure we have very clear protocols that we know work based on science. So it's your care plan that you came up with? In collaboration with the physician. Ah, okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. So sorry to interrupt. No. So Jane, she's in there kind of day one. You said you did an MTM. Do you tell Jane to come back? Like, come back in a week. Like, how does Jane work through this care plan? Great question. It depends on the, the, we like to do test therapy test. Because one thing is, you know, to talk esoterically, because, you know, how do you feel today can be such a nebulous concept. So we like to actually test, where are we today with carotenoid levels? And then we come back, maybe it's 30, 60, 90 days, depends on what the, the therapy is. So then afterwards, we can see at the end of that completion period, did it work? And if it didn't, then something else must be interacting. Therefore, we adjust the therapy until we continue to, and we continue until we find the solution that works for that patient. And is it, does this tend to happen, you know, patients generally speaking show up once a month to pick up meds. Is this kind of part and parcel to that encounter? So Jane doesn't have to make an extra trip or is this something that you have to set up a separate appointment for? It can be either. If it is, uh, we're doing the drip irrigation, that could be five minutes at a time that we can do as part of the, the typical monthly consult. Or, hey, you know, we need to sit down and, and do some of these tests. It might take 15 minutes or 30 or 60. So then we'll try to either work that workflow or be able to schedule separately, either through technology or in person. And so the patient works. And how do you tend to work with that identified primary care group and the nurse back over at the wherever the nurse is? Where's the nurse? Fantastic thing is working with Drew and we're trying to do is now we have that unified health record so we can document what we've done and then you know send notes to the doctor saying, hey, we had this discussion. Here's the, the protocol that we both agreed upon. And then when they come back in 60 days, hey, it worked or no, we, we still need some help here because something else might be occurring. So we need to adjust our therapy. Got it. And then Drew, how does this data get back to the employer or the TPA or how does it kind of go back into a, we're trying to figure out how well this program's working? Yeah. Yeah. That's a fantastic question because as Dan was talking about the test therapy test, I mean, that becomes a really critical metric along the path to tell us how we're trending. So we're really unifying the patient health record, biometric data, and then the backend claims data into one system and cross-referencing all those different data points to identify what on a micro level what's going on, but also on a macro level, how we are succeeding with chronic care management. And I would add one of the most important pieces to this is that the, the trust level that's created between that care team and the patient is what also allows us to get, Dan used the, the word upstream, 
we love that concept of getting upstream. Sometimes, you know, when we're dealing with those complex cases, getting upstream is so important for all the other aspects of the plan. And so the care team getting involved uh, both with routine and chronic conditions, pre-disease states, it also actually allows us to build that trust so that when we get a complex diagnosis, uh, we can address that through the different channels that we've developed to manage those risks. How does this fit maybe with the overarching health plan? Does this have kind of a slot there? You know, you're working on a number of programs and this one is specifically for a specific kind of patient or, you know, like how is this a part of a whole? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Because when we look at the Rosetta model and we talk a lot about value-based primary care, this really fits into, into that spectrum. And when people are enrolling in their benefit plan, this becomes an integrated component. In other words, everyone is onboarded into the collaborative care model. They're all assigned their different team that they work with, and it just becomes part of the overall health plan. Who is it for? What type of employer? Well, what we're finding is that it actually crosses the spectrum. It's a great model to work with an employer that's got their population located within a a geographic range of of their headquarters, but it's also a great model for a lot of remote-based employers. And that's really what we, we designed it to be very modular. And is this, I mean, obviously it takes a certain kind of pharmacy to pull this program off. Again, probably not the best language there, but you know, there's not a whole lot of pharmacies who are really thinking about things relative to, you know, how do we not sell product? So, you know, maybe Dan, do you want to just interject like what was going on in the time-space continuum that you got to the place where you wanted to be a part of this and and then is this something that can be scaled nationally? Great question. Happily, the answer is yes. We have the bane of our existence, which is PBMs, that have completely threatened the model. And I'll argue there's there's like everything that's a silver lining. Pharmacists are one of the unique professions that doesn't get paid for their time and knowledge. For some reason, they decided to get paid because of the product they dispense. So this forced us to say, what can we do to help people? Well, we have incredible intimate knowledge to be able to get people off medications, live healthier lives. So basically, it's time for us to do that. Happily, we're not the only ones who think that way. There's actually a national group called CPSN, Community Pharmacy Enhanced Services Network, that's a national network by state that thinks alike and is also protocols. We are putting extra effort to be able to take it to the next level, but there is a fantastic number of pharmacies around the nation that can implement this in short order. So this is scalable. There's still a lot of pharmacists that want to help people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the no questions like, like mail order. To us, that is such a hot topic. You know, we can see the day where our patients will get a prescription from mail order, but still need us because of what already occurs. We have people get something from mail order. They have such terrible service. They come into our stores and ask us, how do we take this? Well, now it frustrates us because we do something for free. Well, now if we're working employer and they choose mail order, okay, we can still provide this valuable service, get you off that medication, but now it's our time and effort and we're giving that value there so we can still have a value proposition. Sorry to go off topic there, but it is scalable. There are other folks and pharmacists are uniquely trained. All pharmacists have that base curriculum to get to have this knowledge. So sometimes we have to take them back to their sophomore year 
and re reframe them on the, the Krebs cycle and the ATPC energy thing. But that's usually is welcome because that's what they got into pharmacy for is to help people. Yeah. And what this program does, it sounds like, is create a sustainable business model for pharmacies that are thinking patient first, really. Yes. Thank you. Well, let me just ask another question. Is there really, you know, maybe it's a composite example, but do you have maybe an example of a patient who has gone through this program and who has succeeded in a way that you're proud to share? Absolutely. Jane came in to one of our, our partner pharmacies and she weighed 198 pounds and was having a, a series of health issues. So I put to this program and in this case, the composite body composite scale was impactful. After six months of the program, she had weighed herself before coming in and was 196 and came into that last appointment somewhat disenchanted. But we got her on a body composition scale and found out that she had actually lost 40 pounds of fat, added 38 pounds of muscle. So we asked how she felt. She says, I haven't felt better for years. So if it was just one number, a scale, she might have, have, have discontinued the program and still she stayed on. Now she weighs 135 pounds and runs marathons. So as you can imagine, she came in with a litany of, of issues and we broke it down one by one and she saw test therapy tests. And with that, during that hardest time where she found out her body actually was adjusting to a very positive change, that continued on the path where now she is having these wonderful life event changes. And how do you get paid for that? We have a question from Mary Carol Evans. How are you paid for that? Is it a PEPM or how does that work? That's what we're working with Drew on is to have an a PMPM because we would love to get paid to keep you healthy, right? And so if it's a known revenue stream, we can implement these and I'm not worried about trying to uh, have you ingest a pharmaceutical. And now we always will, right? Because we're specially trained, but we want to do that only if nothing else works. We're going to ask you, how much can you eat? That can you move? How's your sleep? How's your stress level? And then continue on. So that PM, PM, much like a consultant, much like a other professional, you get paid to do a job and then can you do it effectively? And I can ask Drew if that's going to work in their model. Well, why don't I ask you, Drew, does that work in your model? We, we, we sure hope it will. <laughs> Dan, Dan and I have, uh, we've been tackling a number of things and, and that's certainly one of the things that we're piloting. And we see that there's actually a, a host of opportunities with the services that a community pharmacist can provide in the patient care spectrum. So yes, the ultimate goal is to get it into a capitated arrangement, just like uh, a DPC model. But there are still some additional services that, you know, today what we're looking at is kind of a hybrid PMPM base with some fee-for-service that's attached depending on the complexity of what's needed. Andrew, when you are talking to other EBCs, your peers, and maybe even self-insured employers about this program, is there a question that is consistently coming up? Yeah, I would say there are many questions that consistently come up. But a lot of it actually ties back, bookends to my initial response to Dan, which was, why is a pharmacist wanting people to get off of uh, prescriptions and how are they involved? I think one of the greatest aspects of this is that we've, we've really in the healthcare world, in some cases, we are misapplying expertise that's sitting right in front of our face that can help us deliver a better patient outcome. So I see that as being really 
one of the greatest opportunities for us with these conversations is to talk about the value that's added by the pharmacy partner. And it also seems like by working with an indie pharmacy in the community, that this is a way to keep healthcare local, which I know is something that Health Rosetta has talked quite a bit about. Yes, absolutely. I like to use the term fiercely local and fiercely independent. That's what you'll you'll hear in the spirit of pharmacists that work with Hometown Pharmacy. And that fits and aligns so well with our high-performing health plan model because we try to retake a transparency with our health plans. It's so important to have that fierce independence. Dan Strauss from Hometown Pharmacy, thank you so much for being on Relentless Health Value as well as the Health Rosetta Summit today. Thank you. Very enjoyable. Thank you. And Drew Leatherberry from Avergent, thank you so much. Thank you. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening. And we're out from a relentless health value standpoint. <laughs> Let's see you what... You better redirect there at one o'clock that, or two o'clock. That was... Uh... You guys are clear. Yeah. I didn't, <laughs> didn't speak to <laughs> Get a hot mic there, Dan. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the bus. <laughs>